Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio. Australia's least coherent podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demorales and this is a show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show we have Triple M host, Elliot Lovejoy. How you doing, Elliot? Mate, I'm really well. How are you? You're surviving lockdown? Uh, so far. Try to keep it positive. I'm, uh, uh, people can't see this, but I'm actually uh, interviewing Elliot over Zoom and he can see me in a bathrobe. I'm a bit Which... upset that you're not nude underneath it. I think the shirt's unnecessary, but you know what? It's a good look. Look, I didn't want to add unnecessary sexual tension to the <laughs> interview too early. Yeah, when my missus listens to this, she's going to ask questions anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I want you to be focusing on my eyes and stuff. Not, Sorry, not but yeah, I'll, I'll keep it up there. Apologies. This is going to a very strange place early yeah don't worry. it's a, it's quarantine mate we are going crazy and the, like the perspective of people down here in melbourne yeah we're three weeks in we're halfway yeah that's what's crazy to me like we've got three more weeks i don't know where we're going to end up but, but what happens I, after I what, the six it, weeks sorry like i don't you know up here we're, we're lucky we're in, in a bit of a bubble in far north queensland where, where things are okay after the six weeks is it is it meant to relax a bit or yeah, that's yeah. I think it'll just be this slow step down, depending on numbers and stuff. Sort of go down to like stage three, and then down stage two, and all that stuff, and just totally open up. But yeah, I, I think if you can get down to Melbourne sometime this summer, I would probably highly recommend it because I think you're going to find the most like on edge people partying like their life depends on it over this summer. I think Melbourne's going to be very, very crazy. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be at the best of time. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, true that. Uh, but yeah, so I guess a little bit about you as well. Uh, do you want to give a bit of background? You're from Triple M. You, you do the radio up there in Cairns. Do you want to give a bit more background? Been up here a couple of years. Probably been in radio oh, eight or nine years now. Uh, it's kind of industry like a, like a lot where you, you can travel around if you want to, which I've had the luxury of doing. And now, um, yeah, last two years, my partner and I have, have been pretty much settled down by the beach and, and just enjoying the lifestyle and, and doing the bare minimum at work. So it's been good. Yeah, that's good. So where have you tra- uh, travelled around to? So I sort of started regional Australia, started in Broken Hill, which is literally middle of nowhere. I think it's where they filmed one of the Mad Max films in the desert. I've been to, <laughs> Can- cool. been to Cairns for work once before, but um, it did a bit of radio stuff over in Canada in Niagara Falls and then out sort of west near Vancouver. And just before this gig, I was doing a, uh, a gig around the UAE. So we're based in Abu Dhabi and we did a... Um, an English-speaking breakfast show there for about 18 months. And then, um, yeah, opportunity came up here and I was pretty keen to get home. And, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're settled for the foreseeable. Right. That, that's actually some good moving around. 
Yeah, I, I, I sort of, cool. especially when I was early 20s, I reckon I really got itchy feet, but um, my partner's pretty good now with grounding me. Like, if the next opportunity comes up with Triple M, sweet. You know, if it's the right one, we'd take it. Like I said, we live by the beach. We're 100 metres from the beach here, and you've got everything we need in, in Cairns. So, yeah, life's, life's pretty easy going. Is this actually where you're from originally? I don't even know anymore. I feel like a gypsy. I was, I was born in Tamworth. <laughs> I grew up in the Torres Strait, did a lot of my schooling up on Thursday Island, then did high schooling in Cairns. So my oldies aren't too far from here. They're sort of 45 minutes away, uh, living with the hippies up in the forest. So see them semi-regularly. Um, so it's as close to home as anywhere. My missus is from the UK. We met in the Middle East. So, yeah, she's sort of adjusting to the climate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a true. So in the UAE, you actually met her. That's so, yeah. Yeah, so her, her dad works over there. Um, and it was it was a weird, very small world, but him and I ended up like living together and we were roommates and yeah, she was... <laughs> her dad? Yeah, yeah. He's and a man. You. He's a legend. Um, he's such a good guy. Like we just... So I met her and um, we got together and, and it was sweet. And because he was living over there, I didn't know many people, neither did he. So we just went out one day and I think we had a beer. And I was like, oh, he's a tip-top dude. Like, I don't like many people, but he's the kind of guy I'd hang out with. So we started playing golf together three times a week, uh, getting other beers once or twice a week. And then um, my lease came up because I was living at a hotel. and my, my, I was on like a 12-month lease there, and uh, I just wanted to sign short-term somewhere. He's like, oh, let's just move in together. So we're, we're living in this resort, me and him. And to be honest, I thought it would be weird. It wasn't. It was awesome. Like, he's the best room I'd ever had. <laughs> Gave him my space. And when we wanted to hang out, we'd hang out. Like, and he, I mean, obviously I had a missus, but he would bring home insane yeah, hot his women. Daughter. He would, no, he would bring home. Oh, really? Like, he was a single dude, just like good looking English guy. And there's a lot of women over there that were very interested in him. And every second day, I'm meeting a new lady. It's like, oh, will I be coming, calling you mum in law soon? I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> he's a he's a good man, good man. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, strange situation. dynamic. Strange dynamic. The dad roommate. Yeah, dad and roommate. He's a party sucks. animal. He's almost like he only just missed out on being a groomsman at the wedding. He's he's that good a guy. So really, yeah, he's a ripper. So he was basically your best mate while you were staying. He was my only mate. Grave. But yeah, yeah, he was. He was definitely. Um, he's just a, just a cool guy. Uh, he'll, he'll hopefully listen to this podcast at some stage and I'll get brownie points for this. But yeah, just a, just a good dude, man. Sometimes I want to hang out with him more than my missus. So uh, yeah, cool. I could imagine that be the case. She's like, come on, man. Could you stop hanging out with my dad? <laughs> Can we go on a date? It's like, I would, but we're playing golf again tonight. And that's four times this week. Well, it's like, babe, I'm trying to build up. It's family. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Got to build that rapport. Really just want to get on the beers with your best mate. <laughs> Honestly, the man, the man. Oh, that's, that's really funny setting. And I actually read up, so I'm kind of cheating here, but I was reading up because you... Have you written anything? I haven't written anything that's bigger than about two pages. Um, I've done a few articles mm. for different radio websites on, um, you know, adjusting to new places, mental health, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, once I'd, I'm the kind of person that if I was, you know, writing a card, my hand gets pretty sore after half a page. So I don't do a lot of writing. I prefer to read it. Uh, but, yeah, I've done a couple of articles here and there and, and I normally get Abby, my partner, to spell check them because my literacy is horrendous. Um, but, but, yeah, bits and bobs. Right, right, yeah. That's because uh, I saw I saw that article about your stay in the UAE and you were kind of uh, yep. getting a bit uh, finding it a bit hard towards the end or maybe the middle I don't know at which point maybe it was before the party time with the dad <laughs> you wrote the article it, it was tough to adjust to <laughs> I just think because it was such a and and it, like I did do my research before I went but even more so when I got there I was this is um, 
number one, it's such a different culture. Number two, work-wise, I thrive off being challenged regularly and they're, and they're kind of there like, oh, yeah, here's the microphone, turn it on, turn up to work at 6 o'clock, you can leave at 9, which probably sounds like a dream to most people, but when I suppose you're trying to build that career, um, it's not necessarily a place, yeah, I just just didn't enjoy it, mate, and I've moved around a lot and, and that was definitely the toughest sort of 18 months life-wise I've had. Right. That's uh, So you were doing a breakfast show over there? Yeah, so we did an English-speaking breakfast show for a, a company called Radio One and, I mean, I'm not there anymore so I really don't care. You know, I'm, I'm lucky, like, Selling Cross Stereo, who we're with now, I've been with them a few times and I've, I've never had a bad experience. Whereas over there, I just, it was just so poorly run from the outset. They had blokes from the outside bringing us in. They promise you a certain pay packet you get there and it's 50 grand less than you're told. And it was just, it was just, it was dodgy FM, mate. Um, I think they're trying to rebuild now. I don't know if they're having any success or not. Um, to be honest, there's some really good people that I made friends with there, but as far as the rest of it goes, the company, I couldn't care less for them. So. All right. If you want to make it in the UAE, just post that somewhere on the, I don't know, I can't even tell you, the Dubai Post or whatever it might be and see what happens. Because <laughs> you do a lot of reading while you're there. Yeah. You're saying current <laughs> on local affairs. But it's funny, like over there, they're not allowed to post, in certain papers, they're not allowed to post negative news on the first, I want to say five pages. So the, the front page will be like, you know, uh, Dubai Prince saves turtle from bird and then page six will say, you know, house fire kills 400 people in a, like a tiny little blurb. It's just, um, it's a very odd place, mate. You know, lots of people have a great time over there. I just found it corrupt and stupid and I won't be going back. <laughs> yeah, well, I've actually heard that before from another mate of mine. He's visited there and he's, uh, yeah, he's not a big fan. He says it's just like, it's very over overbuilt and you can't go outside, which can get on, which can hurt your head eventually. Like, just the fact that it's so hot. Stupid hot. But um, like I said, I have a lot of friends that went there, had a great experience, and that's cool. But maybe I just read too much into it and, and it wasn't for me. But it's done now and saved a bit of cash and got out. So Right. Um, so that's – so yeah, because I was going to ask with the breakfast radio, isn't, isn't that involved, like, talking and being challenged and stuff, like, at least in the studio, like, every day? Because you've got to be, like, talking and coming up with topics, right? Yeah, I don't think that's the challenging part of it. Like, I, I do a, a solo show in saying that we have the capacity for – I have regular guests that are on, so it feels like more of, like, a like a fun house of just weird people that pop up here and there, probably like your <laughs> podcast is. I, I think that's the fun part is creating the content. Um, the, the challenging part is just maintaining, especially in a smaller market, is, is just maintaining the stuff outside of it, whether it's your, it, uploading your podcast stuff or editing your audio or chasing that interview. or And I think organisation skills were not a big part of my life until I got here and you sort of just have to learn to adapt. So it's probably been a bit of a blessing in that sense to, to learn some skills I maybe didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. the spreadsheet, the Excel, the ticking the to-do list and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, but you were saying that you were having some struggles or you, you were feeling that a bit with the UAE, um, maybe for a variety of different reasons. Yep. Was it like pretty intense like because I saw you were saying how you had to reach out to people to talk to them to kind of I I've been lucky for the most part of my life I haven't really had too many mental demons and you know I think we've all lost a, a mate to suicide at some stage so it's a it's a very real thing and I think we're finally in a place where you would like to think nine out of ten blokes our age are willing to speak out if they feel like shit it was still a hard thing to do when when I felt sucky it's probably took me three or four months to actually say anything to anyone. And even I reckon when I got back to Cairns, I still had the hangover from it. And the best thing I did was go and see my GP here 
it was a guy my own age, which I resonated with, and I just said, literally just, I think I opened with, mate, I I don't feel very good within myself. And then from there, all these options were sort of, would you like to see a counsellor? We can, you know, you, we can talk you and I, we can put you onto other things. What are the kind of things that make you happy? Is it a team sport? Start doing more of that. That was really important for me, and, and that's why probably the stuff I have written has, has been about mental health, because it's something that I care a lot about, and, and I really hope that, you know, again, any any bloke now, whether they've had supportive parents or friends or whatever in that area, I still hope that they are able to go and get the help they need because, honestly, it's the best thing you could do. Because I remember, I remember in the UAE, the first, I'd never had a panic attack, so I didn't know what the hell was happening. I'm driving home. I'm in this old Audi that didn't have air conditioning. It's about 48 degrees, <laughs> blowing in my face. I just felt my heart was going to pop out of my chest, so I had to pull over on the highway and um, I had no idea what had happened till afterwards. I was speaking to my father-in-law. I was like, this is everything that, that happened. He said, mate, that's a panic attack. I said, what? He said, yeah, that, that happens. And, and it was, that was wild. And it was probably the real wake-up for me to, all right, you know, don't, don't suffer in silence because you don't need to because people always want to help. So Yeah. Uh, so actually, like, just so people could know, what, what, what with the panic attack, is it, did you actually pass out or anything or was it just deep breaths or what? I honestly felt like, and uh, for anyone that's had a panic attack, maybe yours is different, it was the same. It was a feeling of, I could feel how rapidly I was breathing and I could, it felt like my heart was beating so fast it was trying to push out of my chest. And I just, and I couldn't even tell you what I was necessarily panicking about you know, it had been surrounded by feelings of just being down in the dumps of just sitting myself in my apartment from the time I finished work at Friday till I went back to work on, because I work a Sunday to Thursday week there, so back to work on a Sunday. Yeah, probably a lot of things just combined into to one. And honestly, I just, I felt like, I thought maybe I was having a heart attack until, you know, I really had a second to breathe, have a glass of water, have a conversation and, and realise what it, what it was. Right, and did you, uh, I guess, because I, I had a, a similar sort of experience actually only once it's happened to me, it was a few years ago. Uh, but one thing I felt afterwards was actually weirdly better in a way. Like as in afterwards, it was almost like I'd squeezed out some stresses, even though it'd come out in a really bad way. Yeah. Like, I don't know, did you feel anything like that or was it not really the case? I think what more helped it was that that was probably the first point of me being like, okay, that can't happen and you not talk to people about it. I think what really actually made me feel better overall was when I got back to Australia and had the first GP conversation. That felt like a way, almost like you've been holding in a secret that you've been desperate to tell someone for a year and you finally let it out. Um, and you just feel, oh, that that first conversation was honestly the biggest amount of relief I had. All right. And did you, uh, so you're talking about this mental health stuff and tell me if I'm going too deep into this or whatever. I, I guess I'm just interested in it because, yeah, like you said, as a guy, we probably don't have the setup or at least now it's changing, I think. Even it's changing, but we still suck. We still suck at it. <laughs> Which we're doing our best, you know. <laughs> but, um, but like, I guess what I'm wondering is, considering the upbringing, and I guess uh, I'm probably going to be dealing with some cliches here. So I'm not being insulting anything, but like, probably considering far north Queensland, based from how you guys vote sometimes and stuff, you would think that maybe it's a bit more backwards in a lot of the things of, of these kind of attitudes. Gotcha, yeah. So they're more like blokes are blokes and all that sort of thing. So the fact that you've had this change, was that, was that a change that happened due to maybe something that happened with a friend or whatever or was it kind of your parents were kind of always guiding you in that direction? I wouldn't say it was necessarily parents guiding me. In saying that, my parents 
would have been supportive in anything I ever said or did to them. You know, if I said to them, honestly, I could have come out as gay, I could have said I have a sexual attraction to cars and I like shagging the exhaust pipe, they would have thought, oh, that's weird, but we'll support you regardless. So they're good in that sense. But I think when, because the mate that took his life, the, the one that I was closest to, that would have been 2010. So it was that was 10 years ago. And that did open up mental health for me. But you know what? And and I probably can't sing the praises of, of Triple M enough. We are really big on creating those, you know, we're a male-skewed station and network. We're big on starting those conversations. We team up with Beyond Blue. We do annually, we do a no-talk day. We take all the programs off the air. The idea is we don't talk, so hopefully people in their cars will. And we want them to start that conversation almost like an AUOK day just to, to check in. So I think that's a really cool thing and I think that does help break down a stigma. And you're right, you know, far north Queensland can be a rough and tough area and it can be an area of Bruce the truckie is sitting there by himself. Oh, I'm not going to talk to anyone about how I'm feeling, but hopefully Bruce <laughs> the truckie and, and so on are, are starting to learn. That that's what beers are for. Yeah, exactly. No, beer makes it worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully starting to learn that it's it's not a weakness to, to feel like crap and to seek help. But if anything, it's I think it's a strong thing to, to have the balls and say, hey, I'm doing it tough. Yeah, and uh, and you get to come out of it even better and stronger than you were before. Hundred percent, hundred percent. My life now is, and that was you know quite a, a couple of years ago. My life now is is groovy. Like I said, living by the beach, got a lovely girlfriend, um, wife to be. Once COVID's done, hopefully, um, um, and yeah, mentally the best place I've been in forever. And I think that's because I had that conversation a couple of years ago. That's really that's yeah that's that's a great story yeah and i didn't I actually didn't know that about triple m either because yeah in my head triple m does occupy that space and it is but what i love about them is i think the brand is also growing with the modern world and the modern world is hey blokes it's time to get your shit together and start talking about the way you feel so that's great that's a, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that but i guess now we should get onto the topic of the book uh we can Tie in more stuff later. So do you want to describe what you've chosen? Yeah, I went for the book that if I was to read one book over and over again and not get sick of it, it was also the first adult book I ever read. You know, I grew up reading Goosebumps and Paul Jennings and Morris Gleitzman and all of them. Uh, but the first uh, proper book I read was Peter Benchley's Jaws. The And for people wondering, that is that is the Jaws that the very famous movie was based on. Yeah, right. and the the author was actually in the film. He, he did a little cameo as a, I think he was a, a news reporter by the beach when they were doing the 4th of July celebration. So he had his little moment in there. Oh, right. Nice. Got his little boat. So did you, uh, had you seen the movie and then you read the book? No, I, I read the book because I read it when I reckon I was about eight and um, at that time, oh. <laughs> at, yeah, man, at that time, because we, we, yeah, we lived on Thursday <laughs> Island and um, we're always in the water, never even thought about sharks. And what I used to do is I used to be so infatuated by the look of that book because it had the big shark going up to, to get the girl. I used to, when my parents weren't looking, I'd go and get it from the bookcase and I'd read the first page. I'd quickly skim it. I'd put it back in the shelf. So I did that until I got about 20 pages in. And then one day um, my parents were out somewhere and I just started reading it on the sly. So I'd start reading 30 pages here and then I'd read 30 pages there until it got to the point where I, I finished the book. I told them eventually that I'd read it. They were mortified but then conned them into showing me the movie. Oh, right. So <laughs> you're a smooth-talking eight-year-old, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I, I lost that game in my dating life, unfortunately. But, yeah, as an eight-year-old, <laughs> I found ways to, to get what I wanted. But, yeah, I just remember just being infatuated with it. Right, I love, I love the fact that, yeah, you've chosen as your book of choice such because it was transformative because you got to see what like stories could be outside of the yeah more 
kiddie, young adult sort of stuff, yeah. I guess. Because, like, obviously you've read, you're a big reader then, I take it. Um, you know what? I was probably a bigger reader when I was a kid to what I am now. I, I still like to read where I can now, but I, I definitely get consumed more by your Netflixes and whatever, and that's purely me being lazy and, and not picking up a book when I probably should. But, yeah, as a, as a kid and teenager... In particular, yeah, I was a big reader. I also reckon like, uh, I mean, this could be different for everyone, but having a missus uh, because the shared activity like watching Netflix is obviously much easier to do than just sitting on your own and reading. I mean, you could read to each other, but that's... Well, it is, and but she reads quite a bit. But what I find when she's reading, I'm like, oh, sweet, the PlayStation's free. I can, you know, I can jump on with the boys and yeah, have a go. So, yeah. I, I, <laughs> got to jump on with her dad, play a bit of PlayStation. <laughs> got to catch up, share the romance. So, yeah, don't read as much as I should. But, but uh, yeah, that, that was the first one I ever read and, and forever will be my favourite book. I love, I, I really do love that. So you've reread that a lot of times? Yeah, I reckon... Oh, easy 10. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a solid effort. That one is um, Stephen you, King's It. I, I pushed through that a couple of times, and that's almost as long as the Bible. But, yeah, definitely Jaws stands out. Yeah, I had another guest on who was recommending Stephen King's It. I think I've got to actually read it. Everyone talks it up so much. When I did it the second time, I did the audio book version just because it was so long. I just And the book was so heavy, you could barely take it anywhere. It was like carrying a dumbbell with you wherever you went. So... Uh, but yeah, no, it's a good one to. Was the, the, the audio book version will go forever though. It took me, I think it took me, and I was listening to it every day at the time I was going to the gym and then I'd sit by the pool. So it was two hours of your day gone. I think it took me five months to get through it via audiobook. It was, it was wild, man. <laughs> I forgot what the story is about. Like three months in, I was like, I can't remember what happened. But <laughs> It's way too long. Yeah. Uh, and, and you hilarious. need to make sure the narrator doesn't have an awful voice because if you get sick of him after two days, you're in strife for the rest of the book. So. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to stick around. I can understand that. Uh, with your, so those those are two like kind of thriller books. Is that kind of what you do like to read when you do read? I think I like the idea of a monster. I, and I, I've always liked it in film and I like it in book too. Even when I was reading, you know, I think I said before, like when I read kids' books, I always liked in the Goosebumps and that kind of thing, the, the one... The one real bad guy, whether it was a monster or whatever it might be. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Um, but why do you reckon? Do you have any theory why you might, might have liked that? I became, uh, with the shark in Jaws, I just became obsessed with one, and this probably sounds very um, narcissistic. I don't even know what the right word is, to be honest. But I just became obsessed with the idea that, that one person or being could cause such ruckus amongst, you know, on Amity Island in Jaws, it was thousands and thousands of people whose livelihoods were ruined by one thing. Uh, like COVID-19 is ruining one, you know, that's one thing ruining everything at the moment for people. It was one shark that was shutting down the 4th of July that, you know, businesses were losing money because people weren't visiting. You know, the sheriff had no time to do the rest of his job because people were getting eaten every second day. Yeah, and like, so I don't know if I needed to explain to people what Jaws is. I think we don't have to. <laughs> Usually I give a brief description of the plot, but I think in this case... yeah. A couple of heroes. Yeah, as simple as that. Okay, so yeah, so that's that. Even that's interesting to me because you talk about that like uh, the clear-cut bad guy, the clear-cut force of destabilizing things. Uh, but even in that instance, even in Jaws itself, he's not the only villain, is he? Or he's not the only like person who's making shit worse. No, no, he's not. He, he's the most dangerous one. But then you've got you've got the mayor who's a real asshole. That is, you kind of get it because he's like probably some leaders of states at the moment, uh, wanting to keep everything open, saying, "Oh, you know, it could have been a boating accident that got that girl." Um, you know, let's keep the beaches open. And then in the book, Jaws, you've got 
uh, Hooper, who in the movie is played by Richard Dreyfus, and he's very different in the book than the film. So he, um, film Hooper is so likable. He's this nerdy kind of marine biologist that that comes to help out and and kind of thing. And he forms a really good friendship with Chief Brody. Uh, and you know, there's some really famous scenes with Quint as well on the boat. But in in the uh, the book, he's a bit more of a womanizer. He ends up shagging Chief Brody's wife. Um, who isn't happy in her marriage with Brody? So that happens, and then I mean, th- one of the biggest changes is that when he that famous scene in the movie where he's down in the shark cage and he swims to the bottom and he pops back up and survives at the end. In the book, man, it goes in the cage, shark head butts in, shark eats him, he's dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not getting any sequels with that one. <laughs> no, 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 he's very yeah, much dead. Yeah, well, I mean the. Uh, yeah, that is a that is a bit different. That is quite a spoiler for anyone who's going to read the book. For anyone who was thinking about reading but, the book, now it's all ruined for you. I apologise, but well, I mean, like I, my theory, my thing is always uh, if it's if it's good enough to read once, it's good enough to read. 10 and I mean, times. it's been out since what, like seventy two, seventy three, seventy four. So you've had fifty five years to to read it. So if you haven't yet, what are you doing? Forty-five. I yeah. can't do math. You know what I mean. So to go, okay. Let me try a few things here. So firstly, one is to go back to this monster idea that has such an impact on everyone else. So what you're really seeing there, and again, you see it with Corona, or you see it with anything, is like one force then destabilizing the system in general. So like, I don't know whether that means like it's interesting to see how fragile, I guess any situation is, and again, you're seeing it right now with Corona or with anything. Could any of that have been something which might have interested, like, I don't know, do you look at, like, do you look at things and think, ah, oh, let's fuck shit up a bit? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you feel that sometimes, like, growing up maybe or whatever? Do you, like, oh, like, like, this is too comfortable? A bit of anarchy, yeah. Is that a part of you? You know what, that's probably yeah. ties into me as a young person having itchy feet. When life was fine, wherever I was, but, all right, you know, I, I need a change. I need to be this person to mix, thing, mix things up. Let's quit this job and, and go somewhere else. Let's uh, And any even to a point where yeah, even your telly shows and your movies, I'm always enthralled by your, whether it's a criminal minds or it's a crime thriller, you know, one bad guy that you, you probably said it really well, destabilizes everything else and everyone around them. Yeah, yeah. It's a. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're just guessing yes, you know. We're throwing stuff out there. Go for it. Yeah, like, I don't know, do you see that reflection in, I don't know, from even a political point of view? You're kind of like, oh, I don't want to I want to have more, I don't want to have people tell me what to do. You don't like being told what to do? Anything like that? No, to be honest, I'm, I'm really. very um, pol- politically passive. In, in terms of the radio show we do, yeah, occasionally I think you like being the bad guy and being able to stir the pot, but I wouldn't say it's a, it's a what you try and do every time you turn the microphone off, on, but... Yeah, I don't think it's come through in any political views. Like I said, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't follow politics as probably closely as I should with my job, but I don't think that's something that's carried over. No, fair enough. Um, so I guess the – because the other side of that is also seeing the – well, from what I understand, the, the, in the book, the chief is corrupt, right? And he's got like – he's getting pressure to own certain things and stuff like that. Yeah, he owns like real estate or something, which again is pretty funnily kind of could compare to some Corona 
stories, but uh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to mess things up by uh, maintaining that. Is that like? Is that something? Is that how you kind of see the world works? A little bit, maybe that level of corruption and stuff. Yeah, I think every good person has something weird going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, I don't think I ever believe that every single person is completely whole and angelic. I think everyone's got a, a, a skeleton in their closet. The closet. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like Chief Brody's character in terms of that. And I get it for the like, and I love the film. Don't get me wrong, but I think for the film, obviously, to captivate an audience, especially at that time when it was sort of mid seventies. You needed him to be more of a heroine than, oh, you know, there's a bit going on behind the scenes. He, yeah, like I said, in the book, he's got a failing marriage. In in the movie, they painted them as the perfect couple, him and um, him and his wife. So uh, it was very different in that aspect. Yeah, you see that a lot, I think, with the the movie version of books, because I think the same thing. Have you have you read The Shining? Yeah, yeah. We're actually I was just watching Doctor Sleep a couple of days ago, the the long awaited sequel. What did you think of it? By the tone of your voice, you didn't like it. I actually didn't mind it, man. And I think it was just because I've actually, I've got a, I'll try to show you. I know this is only um, audio for people that are, are listening, but I've got a room 237 key tattooed on my arm somewhere. So I was, yeah, I, I love The Shining. Um, I didn't think Dr. Sleep was that bad. And maybe it's because I needed my Shining fix. I see. I, we, we, we're differing wildly here because I, I love The Shining. Yeah. The, the, the movie. And then I actually only read the book recently. Uh, but The Shining, absolutely, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I really wanted Doctor Sleep to be good in any way, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't understand people. I just, it wasn't. It was a completely different. Like I was like, okay, about about ten minutes in, I'm like, okay, so this isn't at all a horror movie or a scary movie. This is like a fantasy movie. <laughs> like it's got, it's very different. It's not a scary movie. Like I don't think anyone was watching Dr. Sleep and feeling any tension. I mean, my missus gets quite easy. She she was definitely terrified during it, but I, I, I do get what you mean. But yeah, I, I don't know. I liked it. I liked, was it you and McGregor? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, he was great. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Shining sequel. Like what more could someone want? So, <laughs> um, but a good movie? I don't know. Oh, I thought it was good. You know what was a cool spin-off of the Shining was um what was Jared Leto's band? 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, the film the film yeah. clip for the kill that was based in like the Shining Hotel. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was very cool, yeah. But that's a yeah, it's iconic. I love that. Yeah, that movie is different. But that, that's another example, I reckon, of uh, where it shaved away a lot of what was going on from the book just to kind of focus on one thing. So in there, it's just like, we're just going to focus on someone going crazy, basically. None, none, of, none of the complexity of it. So you kind of see the same thing with Jaws, I guess, where they're like, we're just going to focus on the shark. <laughs> that's none of this other stuff going on. Funny how you imagine the shark reading the book first and then how you see it in the film because in the film the shark wasn't working for I think two-thirds of it. Um, there's some really cool docos on YouTube on literally the only reason they didn't show the shark for so long is because they could not get it to come out of the water but it's probably a blessing because it made it so much scarier hearing that that famous music. Yeah, hearing that build up and that tension. That's uh, I, like, a, a friend of mine actually once said it. We've gone on a, quite a tangent here into the Jaws movie talk, but um, a friend of mine said it's like, if you want to know the difference between um, how, how sometimes you think you've got to spend all this money for some composer to come along and do 50,000 orchestral scores with violins and cellos and oboes and everything. He's like, nah, because think about if whoever you pay, whatever they paid the composer who came up with the Jaws theme, it probably wasn't enough. And it's just like, Dun dun. <laughs> it's like that's it's it. It's two keys, right? Like, um, yeah. But now every time I read that book, because I've seen the film, 
you hear that music. Every time they're getting into a point about an attack or whatever, you hear the music as it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that perfect, but it's so... Like, who would ever think of that, something that simple to build all the tension? Sit in the pool by myself here. Duh, duh, duh. All right, time to get out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Well, actually, yeah, so you do um, – so you're living by the beach now. Have you always been kind of a beach person? I've always been comforted by being close to water. I think when I – to be honest, when I read Jaws, it really scared me out of the water for a period of time. Like I joke about the pool thing, but as a kid and even young teenager, if I was to swim in a pool by myself – I would have to have goggles on and I would have to sit with my back to the shallow end of the pool and constantly keep going down in the water to make sure that there wasn't a giant great white coming out of the filter box, which is insane. But it was honestly, that's how much that book, A, I was infatuated with, but B, just scared the life out of me. That's adorable. I can say that now. Um, Like... like, The funny thing is, like, that, that respect for the ocean, I think, is probably healthier here in Australia than most places because it is a concern a little bit, but not in a pool. No, and, and I think growing up where we did in the Torres Strait is, uh, you know, Torres Strait Islanders are just, I mean, to be honest, they're not scared of much in the water. So they'll just jump in and spear what they want without any sort of fishing equipment on them. And I used to be the kid that would, you know, we'd, we'd put up a, a boat outside of Friday Island or wherever it might be and I'd get the snorkel on. I'm like seven. I'm swimming around by myself. My parents had no concerns because I was a strong swimmer. And then Red Jaws, like, oh, we're going out, you know, snorkeling Saturday. Like, oh, I'll sit in the boat. I'll watch. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep eyes on people. I just, uh, I, I don't know how long it was for, but it, I think I got in the water from time to time, but it definitely a rapidly declined in the amount that I went in. And I definitely never went in the water without having like that eerie prickly sensation on the back of my neck that something was near. Yeah, that's... That's that's a. I, I, I'm not sure if this. You like this book, or you just scarred by this book? I don't know either, man. Honestly, it's like a a toxic girlfriend or boyfriend that you're not sure if you love them or that you need to be separated from them. But uh, the book stayed with me for life. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, I, with Torres Strait Island, I thought was is there crocs there? There are crocs, yeah. Um, crocs, sharks. There's no great whites. I don't think there's many in the Great Barrier Reef at all. Don't quote me, but I think they're all about cold climate. So the idea of a jaw shark being there was, you know, never going to happen. But you get your big tiger sharks and and um, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's definitely... They can still take a bite out of you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look, they've been responsible for a few deaths. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely croc country, as is as is here. Cairns is the same, so... Yeah, so, I mean, I thought, like... Because I've heard other people talk about it. They're like, yeah, there's a lot. Like, as in, you do have to be a bit scared going in the water. It's it's more like less in the beaches, and they do pop up at the beaches, but it's more like in Cairns, you wouldn't swim in a saltwater creek because I think the difference between a croc and a shark is a shark's probably going to leave you alone, whereas a croc is super territorial and, and will probably have a go at you. So if you want to come up and visit, this is, like, this is a good advertisement for Cairns. So. <laughs> just stick to the freshwater and you're saying it's fine. Yeah, just, COVID doesn't yeah, get yeah. you in uh, Melbourne once this is all done, come up in a croc wheel. So. This is like, the, uh, the thing I'm loving about this most right now, this is the most Aussie situation. <laughs> I could imagine. It's like, yeah, no, nah, yeah, the crocs are fine and these sharks, that's fine. But then I read a book about a great white and now I'm scared. It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> should have been scared way earlier. I probably should have, but I didn't even really even think about them until I read the first probably five pages of that book. Yeah, and then it hooked you. So, oh, yeah, so with that, your parents had that lying around. So were your parents readers? 
Yeah, my parents are still really big readers, and I think they they like the crime kind of stuff. I know they're big on uh, John Grisham. They they read a lot of his stuff. They're always big on Stephen King too. Uh, James Patterson, who does um, you know a lot of the um, the crime thriller kind of thing too. Um, so I think mm. it pointed me in that direction as a kid too. I, I found. I read a lot of Stephen King stuff and would always try and follow up by watching the films after, whether it was, you know, Pet Cemetery, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, still, if I had to pick one of them as a favourite, Jaws is just far above. Yeah, that's it. I, I find that interesting because I'm like, this is way too big a conversation for anyone to have the topic, but it's like, do you, do you reckon your parents just kind of, that's their taste of thriller and then because of that you like that sort of stuff too or is it just because you got guided that way by your parents? What's it, it's nature versus nurture stuff and I always find that interesting because you kind of rant her. I think, you know, growing up where we grew up where you didn't have bookstores and whatever, everything we, we got there was was um, done on like the sea swift boats from Cairns and whatever. Um, whatever was in the bookshelf, I sort of was half interested in and it was all that kind of Stephen King, uh, your Jaws, your, your John Grisham's, that kind of stuff. So I think I got into it early and then just sort of fell in love with that kind of genre. Mm. Yeah, and I love a good Grisham, a big fan. And also, do you know Robert Ludlum? I do. Just I haven't read any stuff, but I know that I, I think I got a couple of theirs in their bookshelf now. He's spot on. I highly recommend that too. I, I, just to continue this theme of <laughs> Australian, I guess. So, could you actually talk about that upbringing? So, you're saying that people would bring boats over. That's how you would get books into where you were living. Were you like, was there no shops around or not many shops or how did that work? So Torres Strait Islands uh, are in between Papua New Guinea and, you know, the, the tip of Australia, like your, your Cape York, Bamaga kind of area. Um, so we had one uh, shop, like our version of Coles was called Ibis. And then there was maybe like one fast food store, which was called, I think, King Rooster. Besides that, there was maybe one little gift store, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a bookshop. There wasn't a... These, these are remote islands that... Um, you know, my, my stepdad was a, a copper up there, so that's when we moved up. Uh, these are remote islands of, uh, I couldn't even tell you the population of Thursday Island now, um, but at my school, I think there was 100 kids. So it was, it was a very small place that was built on, you know, fishing and footy pretty much. So, All right, so still that footy and stuff there? Yeah, rugby league's huge, and they would do the Battle of the Islands, so you'd have Prince of Wales, Horn Island come over, Friday, Badu, Boigu. It was, um, it was an awesome place to grow up, man. I don't think I wore shoes till I left that place. Uh, it was just such a relaxed, chilled-out lifestyle. No way. So, like, how old? How? When? What age did you leave? I uh, left, I think, when I was. I would have been twelve. Um, but we went back and forth quite a bit because we had friends and family still up there, um, and it's still it's the kind of place where I think it's helped me. You know, even as an adult, it just probably slow things down a bit. If I'm feeling stressed, I just have that island mentality of you know it'll get sorted. Life will be okay. So, That's, so. Was was everything on the same island at least or did you have to like go to school at a different island or something? Um, it depends where you were. For me, I was lucky that the school I went to was on Thursday Island. It was literally like 50 metres from my house. So I just walked to school every day. Um, but you'd have kids every day come over on the boat from Prince of Wales to Thursday Island. You have kids come from Horn Island to Thursday Island. The airport was on Horn Island, so you get a ferry from Thursday to Horn and then you'd fly out to Cairns or wherever it might be on this tiny little plane that felt every bump. Um, man, it was, honestly, I, I haven't gone back for a while now, but I will because I, I want to, you know, take my partner there and show her where we grew up and that kind of thing. But honestly, if, if there was a Thursday Island FM, um, I would have taken a job there in a heartbeat. So. 
man, it sounds like I'm almost romanticizing it too much, but like the idea of just how tropical and island life that what you're describing is, is crazy to me. Like, as in that's just sounds, I mean, a lot of people call that bloody heaven, like that kind of thing, just so laid back. And, and, and the thing is like, and our family has um, indigenous bloodline on my mum's side. Um, but even if you were coming into the Torres Strait um, as just any old Caucasian guy or girl or from wherever, it's a very friendly area. Like there's certain areas where, you know, if you go up to Bamiga, I reckon if you're a new person to that region, people might look at you and be like, what the hell are you doing here? Um, but but Thursday Island in the Torres Strait, people are so friendly, welcoming. I invite you out to go fishing. We've got mates that do FIFO work up there and, and every two weeks they'll, they'll go up and come back and they say they meet some new guy that just offered to take them out in their tinny and go fishing. And um, it is. It's a very romantic idea of life and the water is so clear. It's, um, I mean, someone should write a book about that place and a story up there and I'm sure there's a few floating about, but, yeah, it's brilliant. All right, yeah, because, like, uh yeah, I, I only discovered, I only heard about it because I'm going to sound very Melbourne right now. But my whole life, I've grown up and seen like the bit in university and stuff where it says, uh, "Tick this if you're Aboriginal of uh, Indigenous descent with like Torres Strait Islander," and always differentiate between the two. And I had never thought about it until I heard about the Torres Strait Islands like just recently, like a year ago. This whole area, which I wasn't even aware of. So I guess yeah, it was interesting to discover this part of Australia, which I had no idea existed at all and it's like in some ways it's a very Australian part of Australia as well in a way but it's also kind of like tropical and yeah yeah it is and I think anyone to be fair to you like anyone south of probably Brisbane many people don't even know what they are what the Torres Strait Islands are because it is it's right at the top um, but you look at you know anyone that that follows sport you, you so many athletes particularly rugby league quite a few AFL players too have, have come out of that region and um, yeah man it's 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 for me it's the best part of Australia I actually want to check it out sometime. It Go. Sounds... There's lots of like hotels and Airbnbs now they've got set up there. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a great spot for a visit. And if you're willing to give fishing a go, if you don't already, uh, wow, outstanding. All right. Okay. Maybe I'll have to wait till after. Uh, once I'm cleared of all plague effects. <laughs> yeah, post-COVID. If you don't like... Actually, before I go into anything else, what is the most surprising thing you can think to tell people when they hear about that upbringing that blows people's minds the most? Is there anything that sticks out when you're like, anything that really surprises people about that upbringing? I just think the fact that I grew up there, to be honest, and that's where my passion probably um, for Indigenous people and Indigenous sport and, and whatever has has grown as well um, because that was that was my life. For, for me, I'm a kid from the Torres Strait and I'm fairer skinned than you are. Um, but that's that's home, right? And I think even the little stories that I think are nothing probably shock people, like that we didn't wear shoes at school. Like we, we you know, people getting the boat over every morning. That uh, you know what I mean? Um, I think there was like three fair-skinned people at school, and I was one of them. Um, and that was never an issue. Like I wouldn't have even known that racism was a thing. Like you know what I mean? It was just it was it was like another world that is a two-hour flight from Cairns. Yeah, that's interesting. Like uh, yeah. A whole different place. So, so the, those issues kind of weren't. If we go to this topic, that that stuff isn't a big issue there. Like, as in any sort of race stuff and all that. I was a kid, right? So I, I don't know as an adult if there were any issues for anyone. But as a kid, I never knew I had fair skin. I never knew those kids had dark skin. You know what I mean? Like it was just, oh, that's my friend Morrison. That's my girlfriend Ricardo. It's like. Um, now I, yeah, look, right, I, look right. at, I look back at photos of groups of friends and it's like dark, 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 palest guy in the world, dark, 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 like, and I stood out. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I just I wouldn't have even known what 
skin colours necessarily were back then. It was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool place to grow up. Did that come as maybe a bit of a shock when you left? Did, do you remember anything like feeling? I think I think more what came as a shock is because uh, I went to, I, I think I did like my last year or two of primary school in Cairns when we moved. And I would wear like, because I was never, I never wore sneakers. So I wore sandals when I first got to school and kids would rip me about it. I was like, what do you mean? Like, who cares what's on my feet? I, I found mm. kids nastier, to be honest, at first, just away from that lifestyle. And Cairns, to me, felt like a big city when we moved. Um, obviously not the case now because when I go to Melbourne, I have bloody, almost an anxiety attack every time I cross the street. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was definitely an adjustment. I reckon it took me a couple of years to, to get used to even – I think I was really poor socially with, with kids when I got back because, again, it was a very different vibe to what it was like on an island. Yeah, well, I mean, that's because it's not just an island. It's also like just, I mean, I don't want to say village, but like to go that vibe where everyone literally knows everyone and it's your best mates with everyone, right? So it's. Think of if you've ever been on a, a tropical holiday to, I don't know, a Vanuatu or Fiji, if you've been lucky enough to do something like that, think of that Fiji t- time, that Fiji life by the beach, similar thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be, that'd be a lot for anyone to experience a big change, especially if you grew up, you have no frame of reference for the different thing. Yeah, I, th- I just so I thought that's I mean, how life was. Yeah, you just thought that's it was normal. I love it. It's so funny, though, to also hear someone being like, yeah, couldn't handle the hustle bustle of cans. It was so so busy, so cold, everyone's so distant. It's all miserable. <laughs> Honestly, those 25-degree winters really got me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else would be like, Cairns is like the most tropical, heavenly place ever, and you're like, oh, this is too much. The big smoke. I think, I think like, Cairns to Melbourne is what TI is to Cairns, so. Yeah, that's... That's uh, amazing. I guess, I mean, that, that probably, to, to spitball, is probably something that uh, got you in early to the understanding of, I guess, the, the risks of mental health from that, like being displaced like that to a new place. That's going to make you more aware of the risks of that, I guess, in a way, maybe. Open you up to it a little bit. Subconsciously, I think. Um, but I did I did think it took more people outside of my own bubble being affected by it to realise, oh, this is a thing and this is, you know, something you need to look after. Right, okay. With the, with the book, it is, it seems to be very much like, okay, you've got, you've got the three main characters, it seems like you've got the three main characters, you've got Brody and Hooper and Quint, right? Quint's like the classic man's man sort of dude, just like ready to do everything to win the day. Just a bit of a lad. Well, they call it BD, the BDE, the big dick energy. That's, that's what yeah. it's all about, yeah. Quint seems pure big dick energy. He is, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got the other, the, the, the guys, which obviously the nerd and like the guy trying to keep it all together or whatever. And like, it seems like there's a bit of bonding going on at the same time as they're fighting on with each other. So I guess I was another one I was going to ask, was that maybe something which the fact that it's about like that bro friendship a little bit, it seems like that. I haven't, like, I haven't read the book, but it seems like it's got elements of that in it. Could that have been something that appealed to you maybe? Yeah, <laughs> I think more in, in, again, it could be a subconscious thing, but I, I when we moved to Cairns, I went to an all-boys high school, so it was very much uh, bromances all over the place. And it, and it does like, you know, in, in any friendship, you have ups and downs and they're going to piss you off and do things wrong by you. And like in Jaws, they're going to shag your missus at times. But <laughs> no friendship. <laughs> Probably one thing you can take out of the relationship is no friendship is perfect, but I don't think any friendship is beyond repair. Um, is probably a good little lesson from especially the book version of Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, again, because I'm not saying, uh, yeah, it's just maybe the way you think. So the way you view the world is shaped and that's why you kind of vibed with that. Uh, kind of, do you have still friends from 
I guess, that time in Cairns or even before that from uh, TI and that? Yeah, I got sort of... I don't have a big friendship network because once I have, you know, say 10, 20 good friends, I'm, I'm cool. Like people say, oh, come to this party. You'll, I want to introduce you to so-and-so, but no, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I've got enough people to keep in contact with. Keep in contact with a couple of people from, from TI still. Most of them sort of now dispersed over Australia. Like school and high school, probably my best friend in high school. We're still really close and that kind of thing. So um, we've been able to maintain, yeah. Yeah, so that stuff's always been... So that would have made the displacement when you went to UAE probably a lot stronger, having not that connection with anyone there. Yeah, and and, okay. and and what I found I would do was I'd just withdraw if I felt like crap at the time before I, you know, grew up here and talked to someone. I think, well, I feel like sucky. I I don't want to put that onto anyone else. So I'm just gonna, you know, watch movies all weekend, and not talk to anyone. <laughs> Elliot, how you going? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, <laughs> again, we've been there. You can hey, look. It's all right to have a weekend once like that now and then, I think. But, yeah, if it becomes a regular coping mechanism. When you do it 52 weeks a year, then, yeah, there's, you probably need to check in with yourself and, and with others. So. Honestly, this is starting to sound more and more like you and your, I guess, potential dad-in-law, future dad-in-law, must be so tight. <laughs> like if he's come in to fill that void. It's a bromance, honestly. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think at times there were genuine concerns from my partner be like, are you guys in a gay relationship? I said, look, if you weren't around, we could be. Um, but here yeah. you are and, and things are okay and I'll settle for, settle for him just being my friend slash dad. <laughs> friend slash dad. Friend first, then dad. Yeah. He's the... he's. He's the Quint to your Brody. It's, it's like, He's the guy you get like hammered with, have a horrible night together and then the next morning you ask him for fatherly advice, so... Oh, that just sounds like a dream combination as well, I guess. Uh, all right, well, I guess I should uh, tie it off there. We've had a, I think, thank you so much for being on. Um, I always ask this with every uh, interview. Do you feel like you've got any, learnt any new connections with the book? Thanks to this conversation, maybe. Yeah, I think I might be a bit more of a sadist than I thought I was after my love for the shark. Um, but, but even actually towards the end there when we talk about the, the friendship stuff and whatever, probably something I, I didn't even realise. So, yeah, probably conversations I had today that I hadn't had with anyone and this is the first time we're meeting so George we're now best friends and I'll kick my dad out <laughs> he's out <laughs> yeah, see you later <laughs> I don't know if I can replace that yeah friend slash dad but yeah, thanks so much for being on nah, thanks George cheers Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com.